Are you not lifting weights yet and ready to get started? The quickest and easiest way is with my do-it-yourself online courses, Learn to Lift at Home and Learn to Lift at the Gym. They are neat little kits with everything you need to get started today. Interested? More info at www.befitafter40, that's 40.com slash DIY, like do it yourself. And there's a link in the show notes. Happy training. Welcome to 40 Plus Fitness for Women. I'm Lynn, your host, and I'm a certified menopause fitness coach helping women to work with their perimenopause and postmenopause bodies. So today we're going to talk about perimenopause. And the reason that I wanted to have a separate episode on this is because I have the number of messages that I get from women thanking me for kind of raising their awareness that they might be in perimenopause and about the changes that are going on. And I think I anyway have been kind of giving the information bits and pieces here and there in these podcast episodes but I thought, let's let's pull things together in one. And I don't think I've actually ever told my story. And I think that there are a lot of elements there that I see in other people's stories. So I'm hoping that by sharing my story, I could help you to understand that or realize that maybe you're in perimenopause or maybe feel a little bit more like you're not alone there. So I want to start out with just some basic, basic definitions what is menopause, perimenopause, postmenopause? So menopause is actually a day on the calendar when you have not had a menstrual period for a whole year. And uh, you start counting that from your last period. And if nine months is gone, if 10 months is gone, and then you get your period, well, you start from zero again. And, uh, and I have to say, I do not know my own day because I was not tracking my periods at that point. So, but I'm guessing it was somewhere around the age of 45, 46 that I hit menopause. And the time before you hit menopause is perimenopause. Those are the years where your uh, reproductive system or your reproductive hormones are starting to wind down. And as they start to wind down, things are not going so smoothly, and that can cause a lot of different symptoms for you. So that can last anywhere from four to 10 years. And there are people who go through perimenopause, menopause without acknowledging any kind of symptoms. I have a good friend who's like that. She didn't have any problems at all. And then there are other people who have all the symptoms. <laughs> I think I'm, I'm a little closer to that end of the spectrum. And then once you have hit that certain date on the calendar, you shift into being in postmenopause. And that is for the rest of your life, right? So given that women on average hit menopause, that date on the calendar at around age 50, and we live to be in our 80s, it is actually a very large chunk of our lives that we are in postmenopause. And then when you take into account the uh, perimenopause section, it's actually a really, really large part of our adult female lives that we're spending in the transition and then 
you know, after the transition. So it's kind of crazy, in my opinion, that this has not been very widely discussed, even among friends. So just some common symptoms of perimenopause or menopause that I just thought I'd read the list because a lot of people, and me and myself included, the only one that I actually knew was hot flushes. And yeah, I had them. They weren't a real big problem for me. And so I kind of dismissed them when my doctor asked me if I was having any problems <laughs> with menopause. So here we go. So yes, the hot flushes and night sweats where you wake up in the middle of the night, and you're, you know, your sheets are wet, your nighty is wet, everything. You may notice more headaches, uh, urinary tract or bladder uh, issues, including urinary tract infections. One of my good friends had a ton of those, really, really a problem for her. You may have irregular periods or very heavy periods. For me, it was so bad that, wow, you know, using a maxi pad and the biggest tampon you could find could get me through about 45 minutes. So, so it was actually quite limiting on my life at that point because I had to be pretty close to a bathroom to be able to swap those out regularly. Uh, hair loss is one thing that you may encounter and this is one where, which I, I really had, and I didn't realize it was actually linked to menopause. For me, it was so extreme that I, um, I actually went to be fitted for weeks before I finally got to a doctor who helped me out with, <laughs> with giving me some medication to start growing my hair back in. But it was really getting so bad that you know, comb overs. I mean, anytime I put my hair or had my hair anywhere, I would really have to be sure that, hey, are any bald patches showing? And and that can be really, really devastating on, you know, your, your feeling confident uh, when you're out in public, when you have bald patches in your head. So that was really not a very nice one. Then mood swings. So if you think about like the mood swings you may have around your period or teenagers when they're starting, you know, to go through and start get the, getting their periods, the mood swings as hormones fluctuate, well, hormone fluctuations are happening to us again, and it can cause these terrible mood swings. And it's not only about these kinds of short-term mood swings, but you may notice things like uh, that you have more anxiety than you've had. And depression can be associated with perimenopause. For me, depression was a huge part of my experience. And I'll talk about that a little bit more later in the episode. Brain fog, there's another one <laughs> that for me hit hard, you know, and that can mean that you're having trouble like thinking about things or remembering things, you know, that your brain is just not working the way it used to. And uh, you have can suffer from having poor sleep. And I mean, if you think about it, like these things can be interlinked, right? If you haven't slept very well, if you're struggling to get deep sleep, then having brain fog and your mind not working the way that you're used to having it work, that you know, it all contributes. Uh, poor energy levels, 
facial hair. So some women notice hair on their face growing like long uh, hairs, maybe on their chin, uh, skin being dry or itchy. Maybe you need more moisturizer than you've ever needed. Just feeling generally blah and unmotivated. And then there can be some very painful things like you might notice a lot of joint pain or muscle pain. Some women are even, you know, partly immobilized because of the kind of pain that they're going through and may stop them from doing the exercising that they've done in the past and this kind of thing. You may have sensory issues like tingling and pins and needles in your hands and feet. And then one that maybe doesn't get talked about so much is low libido. So your sex drive is all of a sudden gone. And then even if you do manage to try to get interested in sex, maybe your body isn't responding. You know, you're not getting moist down there the way that you're used to and you need the kinds of aids to help with that. Now, this is a lot of stuff going on. And it's funny because when, or not funny actually, because when I went through it, um, I actually had a situation where I had a, a physical, I started at a new job and here they have a policy where they send you for a physical just to make sure that you're okay to perform the job. And and also that if you do have any issues, they make sure that you have, you know, the right medication or whatever that you might need because they want to make sure that you can do your work, right? So I went there and I had the blood work done and they noticed that my hormone levels were off and, and blood work is not always, uh, very effective at, at diagnosing, um, perimenopause or menopause, but I guess at that, that day that they happened to draw my blood, my hormone levels were very low and so the doctor was like, hey, this is really weird because you're so young. Uh, so she sent me off to the OBGYN and I went there and she said, yep, you are going through menopause and um, any symptoms? <laughs> and I said, well, sometimes I get kind of these hot flushes or what I guess are hot flushes. And she asked, so do they bother you? And I said, well, not really because, you know, they, it's winter, it's cold here. And I know it's going to pass in a moment. She was like, any other symptoms? I was like, no, I don't think so. And then she was like, great. Okay. See you, you know, next year kind of thing. I mean, not even a question of, or listing or pamphlet or anything to be like, hey, these are the things that might be going on with you. And the truth of the matter was that my life was kind of, falling apart at that point. And looking back on it, I realized that probably much of it was due to the fact that I was going through the transition and I was having <laughs> so, so, so many symptoms. So one of the biggest things was, which was a huge life disruptor, of course, was depression. I had major depression. Uh, I was diagnosed with it and then put on antidepressant medication and, and given therapy. So like the whole nine yards to try to help me out. And, uh, what's weird about it is that, you know, I had a therapist who was a woman who was older than me. So for sure 
has gone through menopause herself. I had, you know, my gynecologist, I had my, my healthcare from, from work, like my primary doctor there. And none of them kind of figured out that, hmm, could these kind of be related, <laughs> you know? Uh, and so I continued to take antidepressants, go to therapy. And a year later, I was reassessed and I was actually in worse shape than I had been the year before. Yeah. So obviously the antidepressants and the, the therapy were not helping me. And in the meanwhile, things were not going well at home. I was arguing with my then husband, feeling really miserable. I was sad, like all the time on the verge of crying. I remember going to the gym to my favorite cardio classes, because back then I was a cardio queen. And I still have kind of flashbacks of being in the dressing room and feeling like, oh my God, I got to get out of here really quickly because I don't know how long I can hold out not bursting into tears because there was so much sorrow, pain, depression deep within me. And uh, yeah, and things were not going well with my husband, now ex-husband. And I kind of blamed the whole situation on him. I mean, you know, as an aside, I'm kind of of the opinion that one of the reasons why so many people get divorced when the woman is in her, you know, 40s to 50s, like around the age of 50, is probably because of this menopause transition and so, so much feeling bad. And then there are transitions in your life, your kids are moving out, your parents are aging, all these kinds of other stressors on you. And a lot of times it's easy to blame it on the spouse. And I'm not saying, <laughs> you know, I think my divorce was absolutely 100% the right thing to do. There were a lot of reasons why we're not the right people for each other, you know, in the long run. But if there hadn't been the menopause going on there, it probably would have lasted a lot longer. And yeah. So anyway, sleep was a huge issue. And this was actually an issue that we argued about with my ex because he was in a habit of a little bit snoring and he might even move in his sleep. And I was such a sensitive sleeper and I still am that it was completely disrupting for me. You know, I wouldn't get in enough sleep. I would be dragging, groggy, headache, feeling bad, all this. And of course, I'm angry at him because he's causing this lack of sleep. He refused to let us sleep in separate bedrooms every now and again so I could get a full night's sleep. So it was like these kinds of things led to arguments that we were having at the time. And then at work, I had started a new job and I couldn't remember anything. In fact, these are the notebooks. And if you're listening to this, I have a stack of like 10 spiral notebooks here that I <laughs> filled <laughs> with notes. And I have like little tabs so I can find the different notes and everything because I could not remember anything. I had to write absolutely everything down. And I had just changed jobs into a very demanding job. I'd like jump to the next level um, in my career. And luckily I am so 
darn organized. And I did take all those notes. So I was able to perform at work, but man, it was, <laughs> it took effort. And I was kind of hiding the fact that, oh my God, I don't remember anything. I don't remember people's names. So having a hard time just remembering things that people told me over the course of the day. So I was just writing every, every, everything down. So that is, it definitely can affect your work in a big way. And this is one of those things that I know now in the UK and some some even famous people are coming out and talking about how how hard it was for them to work during perimenopause because their brain just wasn't working. And and this is something that I I am really interested in seeing what the response generally from the job market is on this point because on the one hand great if women can get more support so that they can function in their roles even during perimenopause when they are having these challenges but then awful if it turns against us that if women are telling that hey i'm having brain fog i'm having some issues that then they don't get the promotion they don't get the job you know so let's see where that plays out hopefully it turns out okay but let's see so things actually were not improving for me um, for a long time. I actually ended up leaving my husband, moving out because things were just getting worse and I just needed to, to get out of that situation somehow. And I moved to a separate home and it took me about a year and a half <laughs> to dig myself out of that depression I remember because we have, we have joint custody of the kids. The kids would be with me for a week and then be with my ex for a week. And I remember the weeks that the kids were here with me, it was like, okay, just, you know, execute, 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 you know, drive, cook, clean, work, <laughs> try to get some sleep, you know, make it through that week. And by the time it was because they our switchover day is on Monday. By the time, you know, Monday walked rolled around, I would be so tired. And the following week, I would walk around kind of in a daze. I would just do work, come home, and I'd like binge watch Netflix while slowly wandering around the house in this kind of daze and crying and yeah. But eventually, it started to get better. And the thing that really made the difference, actually, is that I read an article which talked about the 13 top symptoms in menopause and realized that actually I have every single one of them. And at that point, I searched for a gynecologist who specialized in menopause because even gynecologists do not spend an inordinate amount of time studying menopause. And if you think about like a woman and their reproductive life, there are all kinds of issues that can come up. So it, it is kind of like, okay, so they have to know a lot about a lot of things. So my recommendation is that if you are a woman in your, let's say even, you know, if you've stopped having children, <laughs> so you don't need one that can, you know, be there to, to uh, birth your children with you or to deliver your children, then I would maybe 
consider strongly switching to a gynecologist who is specializing in women in menopause so that, that she can help you out with that. She, he can help you out with that. But I finally found one and I got on to hormone replacement therapy. I'm not saying that is the magic bullet for everybody. And certainly you need to have a discussion with your doctor because it's you know, contraindicated in some situations where you may have a family history of certain illness or certain illnesses yourself. But for me, it was a complete game changer because yeah, I am feeling like a human again. The depression lifted finally. I was able to sleep better. Um, sex drive came back. Brain fog went away. I mean, I just feel human again. So so for me, it has really, really been a game changer. And one thing I want to say about the hormone replacement therapy is that I I actually hit upon one that worked for me right away. Uh, it's a patch that I put on my lower abdomen, change it twice a week and, you know, set it, forget it kind of thing. And then there were some delivery issues. So you couldn't get that uh, particular hormone for almost a year. I think it was nine months. And so at that point I had to try out different options and every one of them is a little bit different dose of estrogen and progesterone. So they affect you a little bit differently. And I tried the first one that I tried, it was, it was like good and bad. Let's put it that way, because on the one hand, um, I mean, sex was amazing on it. It somehow really increased my libido and my enthusiasm for that. And at that point I had a boyfriend, so we were having a good time with that. But, oh my God, I was crying at everything. You know, the cheesy commercial, uh, anything, anything could set me off crying. So I had to swap that one out. <laughs> and then the next one was a little bit different again with sleep issues and whatever. So I was very glad when my original one came back on the market. And that's what I've been sticking with since then. So if you find if you try one and you find that it's not working that well, you know, you might want to try another one because, you know, our hormones really do affect our mood, right? I mean, just like when our when we're going through our normal cycle back when we're in our re reproductive years, it does affect our moods. And the same way the hormone replacement therapy hormones can affect your moods. But I have to say, I love being in postmenopause because you don't have those mood swings over the course of the month. And it's just, you're just steady all the time. Like I wake up and I know who I am and I know how I'm going to react to things. And yeah, it's, I love it. Aging has some other downsides, but, but this is not one of them. And by the way, one point that I wanted to make is that I went through menopause very early. So in my mid forties and looking back, I think the first signs of perimenopause were probably already in my late thirties. Um, so it can start quite early. And one thing I'm kind of pissed off about is that my mother never talked about this with me. Uh, she also went through it early and it would have been kind of nice to get a heads up, right? And and she actually is uh, a doctor herself, well, a orthodontist, 
but in any case, like understands science and knows about hormone replacement therapy and all the things. And I really wish she had had that conversation with me to sort of wake me up to the fact that, hey, you know, this may come to you early and maybe you need to look at your options. And I have already <laughs> spoken with my daughter about it and shared, you know, that I am in postmenopause and that I had menopause came early and that I'm using hormone replacement therapy just because, you know, I don't know, I might not be here tomorrow if I happen to end up in front of a bus by accident or something like that. So I want to make sure that she can already know that because it is uh, to some degree hereditary, like how early it happens. Plus, I want her to feel a little bit more enlightened just about her whole female life than I was. I've also talked to her about how very, very, very important weight training is when you're later in life, when you're in your perimenopause, menopause years for maintaining your body's functionality. And she already weight trains. I also weight trained when I was younger, but then I stopped when I started having my kids and I became a cardio queen. And I regret that now. I wish I had just stuck with the weight training and added some cardio on top when I had time, you know, cardio is fun and all that. But I wish I had maintained my muscles throughout my life rather than taking that break like I did. And I also want to say that some of you may go through perimenopause, menopause with no symptoms whatsoever, right? You may be like, oh, not, nothing, right? You're no depression, no sleep issues, no weight issues, nothing going on. I guess that is possible. I have a friend who has that. Well, she's had some weight issues, but as far as like hot flushes or urinary tract infections or mood disorders or anything like that. She hasn't noticed any of those. So it is possible to get through it more lightly or else you can be like me and kind of lose two years of your life if you don't kind of get proactive about, you know, understanding that this is what's going on with me and getting some help for yourself. Because honestly, it is like two years that I was in this kind of fog and being depressed is no cakewalk, right? Nobody wants to do that. And it's terrible for the family. I remember my youngest uh, son, he's very sensitive to my moods. And I think he knew that I was depressed when I was depressed because he was sometimes just like unusually good. Like just being the perfect little boy and when I would see that behavior from him, it would make me so sad because I knew he was doing it because he could see <laughs> that I was like holding on by a string, you know? And uh, yeah, I wish he hadn't had to, or any of my children hadn't had to spend some of their childhood with a depressed mother. It's not good. Okay. And then finally, what about the changes in your body? So that's something I do talk about a lot is the fact that as estrogen starts to decline, then you may notice changes in your body. And the really, really typical ones are that you notice your muscle tone declines and you start to gain weight around your waist, the kind of dreaded meno belly and the muffin top that you start to get, your clothes are fitting differently and tighter. And a lot of this has to do with the hormonal changes because your rate of muscle mass decline increases as you're going through menopause. 
other decline increases as you go through menopause. Like for example, your bone density starts to uh, deteriorate at a faster rate. And the other thing is your, your ligaments and your tendons, they start to become more stiff. And all of these things mean that you are at risk for greater injury. And plus there are it's not so nice to start feeling like you're just a blob, especially if you're somebody who's used to looking fit and trim and you, you know, have really paid attention to your fitness over time. Or if you've not had to pay attention and you've always looked great just by doing what you're doing. And then all of a sudden you're like, whoa, my body has totally changed on me. So I have a lot of podcast episodes that talk about how to fix this, but I wanted to kind of just reiterate my list of top five things. And any of you who have been listening to me for more than two or three episodes knows that number one on my list <laughs> is going to be start weight training, right? Because that is going to ensure that your body remains functional going forward. It's going to help not only with your muscles and your strength, it's going to help your tendons and your ligaments and your bones and it even helps with insulin resistance. So weight training is the best. Two, cool it on the cardio. So your first instinct when you start to put on that weight and you know start looking fluffy is that you'll wanna double down on what you've been doing. And generally what women have been doing is a heck of a lot of cardio. So they add in more cardio. That's not what you wanna be doing add in the weight training instead. Third one is to eat more protein. And this works in many ways. One is that if you've started weight training, it gives your body the materials it needs to build more muscle so you can get stronger and more toned. Second is that it slows down the rate of decline of your muscles to be eating more protein. And third, protein is more satiating so it helps you to control your eating and your calorie intake a little bit better. Fourth is to prioritize your sleep because sleep covers kind of everything, right? When you don't sleep enough, you're not going to be recovering. Your hunger and satiety cues are going to be off. You're going to feel lousy. All kinds of things happen when you aren't getting enough sleep. So start prioritizing your sleep. I mean, try this just for a couple weeks where you make a point of getting into bed so you have eight hours to sleep and see the difference in how you feel. And then number five is maintain your general movement. So if you're like me and you work at a desk job, you are probably sitting for 10 hours a day. And then if you have kids and cooking and whatever else to do, it's really hard to get in those steps by taking a walk because you also need to be doing your weight training and you also need to be doing your cardio. So if you can get in those steps during the course of the day, take little five minute breaks while you're working, uh, get a walk pad. That's been my solution. I get in my steps walking on my walk pad. Then you can really improve the amount of calories that you're burning over the course of the day because your non-exercise activity is what burns more calories than your sessions at the gym. And here's one you're not going to like, because I know a lot of women love to have that glass of wine with dinner or while watching 
TV or unwinding in the evening. And the thing is that that glass of wine is doing a few things that's maybe not so good for you. And the most important one is it's affecting your quality of sleep. So what I have moved to now in midlife is because I do like to have an occasional drink and I really enjoy going out with my friends. But what I do is if I'm going to drink, I drink. And if I am only going to have one glass, I have zero glasses, right? So basically Sunday through Thursday, I 99.9% of the time do not drink. And then I go out usually either Friday or Saturday, and that's the day that I drink. <laughs> and then I know that that night's sleep is going to suffer, but I've got good sleep from the rest of the week. So that carries me through. So to summarize, okay, doctors may not actually realize that what you're going through has to do with menopause. I mean, I had <laughs> psychiatrists and doctors and they still did not recognize that. So please, if you notice that you're not feeling like you used to, you don't kind of recognize yourself, something's changed, whatever, then go to talk to a doctor who specializes in menopause to try to get some help with your symptoms. And some of the things that you are experiencing may be hormonally related and you don't realize it and the doctors don't realize it, right? But this is a huge change in your body and it can cause these kinds of big symptoms, things to go haywire. And this also means that you should make changes in your fitness routines. So if you have been a cardio queen Let's add weight training into your routines, okay? So a lot of women, when they hit midlife, they think, oh my God, I don't want to be slowing down. I'm going to go run a marathon. And it's like, okay, that's kind of the opposite <laughs> of what you actually want to be doing for your body in midlife. What you would like to be doing is strengthening those muscles, making sure that you're maintaining your strength and your power and your bones and your ligaments and your tendons, all those things through strength training. So please start the strength training. Okay. So that was my story. <laughs> I would love to hear your story if you want to share and some of the details. I hope it's okay that I then share forward because I think it's really important for others to hear the unusual things that have happened to people so that if that's happening to them, they can get some help and realize what the heck is going on with them. And with that, I will leave you till next week, wishing you happy training. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of 40 Plus Fitness for Women. If you're enjoying the podcast and want to show your appreciation, please hit the subscribe button. That helps me to reach more listeners because it signals to the podcast algorithm gods that this is a good show. Talk to you next week.